I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are starting a new series called Topics. Hooray. The topic of this series is topics, <laughs> which made me laugh all afternoon. We never give announcements at the front, but I wanted to, to insert something to get us started. If it's the case that you, dear listener, who we love and cherish, have a topic on your mind and heart that you want to send our way for our consideration, we would love to hear great suggestions on the Twitter or on our Instagram, which are really the only sources of feedback, social media that either one of us actually check because Facebook's the devil and is making our world terrible. And what else is, uh, we don't really do email. Right. Anyway, I yeah, suppose Instagram's owned by Facebook, but. It's true. And Twitter is, it, I, they're all kind of the same thing. Facebook, I think, is the worst one. The best be thing you can do is if you know us, to yeah. just text us. There you go. But if you don't know us personally and have our phone number, Twitter and Instagram is the way to go. That's it. But we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear uh, topics that we might consider. I bet you there's a few brilliant ideas out there. So hook us up. Since this recording is going to be coming out during the Christian Holy Week, we decided that we we're going to begin our topics series just with the Enneagram and faith. We're going to use the word faith to represent all sorts of different ideas. And in my mind, they really represent the same thing in a culture like ours. Our faith is our spirituality, our religious tradition, the way that we come to the world and how it informs what we see and what we do. And uh, oftentimes there is a spiritual dimension to this. That is, it's not just tangible physical stuff, but I have an emotional life that connects with something that is perhaps even mystical or otherworldly. And for some, obviously, of, of you, you will believe in the being we call God. And that would weave into this as well. Um, TJ? Yeah. What are we talking about when we talk about faith? We're talking about a lot of different things all wrapped up in, into one and really only one thing also. So we use, we, we both come from the Christian tradition, but we're talking about any kind of belief in a higher order. So we're going to use several words that are going to be sort of interchangeable. And we understand that there's a lot of baggage around some of these words and understand that we're not talking about the baggage. We are talking about the bigger concept of faith in something bigger than yourself. God as a being who is intentionally ordering the universe, some type of structure or meaning that is beyond 
the the physical realm. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about spirituality or religion or God. Just like the order outside of what we see, what we normally interact with. Bang. It's probably worth saying that God is different from religion, yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Religion is the system that the humans built to try and understand God, but oftentimes religion is, you know, pretty faulty. So I have an advanced degree in philosophy of religion. I love me some religion. I in that in the same spirit as TJ is saying, religion can be incredibly helpful. It can move cultures forward. It can abolish slavery. It can encourage folks to fight for their civil rights and justice for the poor. Um, it also can be highly destructive, and there's countless his- historic examples. Religion is a tool, just like the Enneagram is a tool, just like language itself is a tool. Language can be used for divine purposes. It can also be used to slaughter wholesale millions of people. Language itself isn't good or bad. Language is what is. In my mind, religion is interchangeable with the idea of philosophy or paradigm. Um, Religion ends up being the way that we see reality itself and what reality says we ought to do with our one and only lives. And perhaps another step would be how we know things and what counts as truth. And all those are mixed up in this big word, religion, faith, spirituality. There will be some of our listeners, obviously, who have real meaningful experiences of the physical world and don't consider themselves spiritual, yeah? I I assume so. <laughs> but if you were out there, we love you and and this this podcast is for you too. Yeah, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with not having any kind of sense of of divine outside of the physical realm. I get that. Uh but I would bet money that you believe in some kind of order. Like there are rules. There's there's something. If if everything is meaningless, then it's very unlikely that you're here. So, yeah. Or at least you're waiting for different options, maybe. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and good news, you and I are not very judgmental people. I well, mean, we talk about people behind their back, but but on our podcast, we're pretty... Yeah. Uh, we're pretty loose. Yeah, our public persona, <laughs> very non-judgmental. If you're friends with us, we're pretty judgmental. Are you here to judge other people's faith, TJ? Absolutely not. Neither am Everyone's I. Everyone's faith is weird, including ours. <laughs> we're all weird, and it's all messy. And 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 really, the big thing is that because... We're also talking about religion when we're talking about faith. Religion is something different, and religion is messy. Yeah. My shorthand on religion, this is what I study for a living. The religion is your ontology mixed up with your value, judgments, and ethics. It's how you see the world and what you should do about it. And you could call that religion, paradigm, philosophy, um, it is your way of if you have a, if you gave a name to everything that exists, that name is a religious name, yeah. Or it denotes your commitment to this is how I see the world, right? Um, so Which, ag- uh, again, is different from 
the system of governance by which your local church operates. Yes. Which is also religion. Yeah. Uh, the Yeah, how you gather or connect with other people who share your same faith, well, that's all over the place. Right. You could do that individually. You could do it in a room of 100,000 people. Right. Those are just tools. Uh, the microphone's a tool. The words used are tools. The setting itself is a tool. Um, the, the shoot the the holy book that you use is a tool, and the tools are there to connect you to something. Hopefully, if it's healthy, if it's a healthy faith, it's connecting you to something worthwhile. All of us have experienced the opposite of that. Tools that are used to connect you to a dysfunctional view of reality, or they are dysfunctional tools themselves, or they're intentionally used as a weapon to control yeah or abuse there it is yeah people have alternative moves and when we say faith we are talking about all of these things and also none of them if you're gonna have faith in something you should probably pick something good yeah i hope it doesn't always work that way but that's (laughs) that's what we're aiming for that would be i suppose that's a principal question for us is What's the good thing that I'm believing in, that I'm seeing? I need to have a good view of reality and who I am in it. And I suppose every type is going to have a different kind of answer to that. Like like no one's going to be intent. No one who's even a little bit healthy is going to be intentionally choosing to have faith in something that's bad. But people of different types are going to have different perspectives on what is good and what is bad regarding faith. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about with this podcast. Mark, just as a side note, the mark of a wise person is to be self-critical and to be self-critical of how we see the world and to to, to strongly analyze and criticize what we are putting our faith in. Yeah. And if it's real, it will hold up. If it's not real, it's going to fall apart under your enormous intellect obviously (laughs) you know um and if you're not self-critical then you're probably not listening to this podcast so (laughs) because the enneagram isn't that interesting to you there you go this is true we're we're actually hitting the sweet spot of our folks good well in our tradition there's a uh passage that says through faith you're saved uh one of the many things that faith does is it rescues us it rescues us from dysfunctional people. It rescues us from dysfunctional habits and activities. Um, Faith has real power to bring health into our lives, and so hopefully that's where we're going. But one of the main things that we're saved from only by faith is our fears, and that's going to be a huge part of our conversation today is, is is talking about the fears of each of the types, why it's necessary to have faith in order to escape them. So I'd want to suggest that one of the things that Enneagram shows us is that fear is a first step. It's the common first move towards our worst self. I think this is one, this is at least one of the big things I get out of the Enneagram. It's that fear is the, is that first move where I begin stumbling, bumbling, fumbling down a very dark road and my worst impulses come out. Fear it seems to me, gives power to my darkest impulses. Mm. And there's a strong Enneagram solution 
to our fears. And that's a list that we've hit before and we've hit it with pairing it with fears, but it's just worth talking about again. And that is our types heart's message. So we're going to talk about the fears of each of the types and we're going to talk about the heart's message of each of the types and just how they work as foils for one another. And hopefully it's the case that you'll see the language of faith and how your faith works into that discussion. So you ready to go? Let's do it. So we're going to start with the nines. Um, The big idea, again, it's fears, but here's the turn. Whatever you have faith in, your family, your government, your God, yourself. Whatever you have faith in, this is the source from which you need to hear the heart's message. And we'll come back to that over and again. TJ and I obviously share a common faith that we follow the Jesus tradition. And so we're going to elevate just briefly, like this is how it would be in our lives, but hopefully you can apply that wherever you're coming from to to your own journey, to your own path. So nines, what's the, what's the big fear for nines? Nines fear, uh, I mean, conflict, but, but separation above all else. Yeah. I identify with nines. Nines are like, like we are, are worried that the, the pieces of our life are going to separate from each other and the, and that the people that, that are, are close to us are, are going to leave us basically. The fear of losing connection is relational. It's also about the atmospheres. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, absolutely. We create we create spaces of comfort. That's that's both physical spaces of like this this is my favorite chair and and I have my Oreos within reach, but it's also relationships, it's also um comfort in knowing what we're doing in in our our regular activities it's comfort in routine it's it's generally like we want things to go easy we want things to be harmonious and so we create spaces of comfort around us like bubbles of comfort and that separation is about losing that comfort one of the moves we're going to make is that our fears when they get embraced by our minds and our habits they become what we have been calling fixations these are the the dark side of our type moving into our mind and the fixation for nines is lethargy and you set it up real well with that how does lethargy spin from from being fearful of losing connection well i mean if 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 this space is is comfortable and i know exactly how it works and like this this is the thing that that I'm protecting, then it gets very easy to become complacent in that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and lethargy is, is sort of born out of not caring about the things that are important because this is familiar, because this is easier. That, not caring about what is important is TJ's common shorthand for sloth. It's a great definition of sloth. It's not, not resting. Sloth isn't resting. It's not caring about things that are good, valuable, and important. Right. You need to get saved out of that dark cycle. And so what's the heart's message for nines? The heart's message that we need to hear is that our presence matters. And, and we need to, we need to feel that in our, in our, in our bodies. We need to feel that in, in the ways that people treat us. It's not necessarily something that you can just say to someone else and, and have them actually hear it and internalize it. But if our presence matters, then we actually have to do work to maintain 
the connection that we're seeking. Mm. And we're actually an integral part of that connection. And that's where the real tension is. It's you fear losing connection. But if you feel like your presence matters, then you understand there's no reason to fear, yeah? Right. I mean, there there will always be, like, like fear doesn't just automatically go away from that. Right. But if you understand that your presence matters and you understand that you have a role to play in combating your fears. Now, TJ mentioned that it's through his body that he needs to feel this. We've become real interested in how each of the types receives the heart's message. And both of us are convinced that it doesn't come through our primary center. It comes through a secondary center. And so twos, sevens, and nines, their secondary center is their body. They all have different intelligence centers, but their secondary center is their body. Ones, threes, and fives, their secondary center is their emotions, their heart. They all have different intelligence centers, but their secondary center is their heart. And fours, sixes, and eights all share the secondary center of their head. And what we think is that when receiving the heart's message, it needs to take place there. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure why. We're still working on this. It'll come out in our discussion. Right. But there is something about the secondary center that is kind of the radar for this message. And we intuitively think, both of us are intuition types, I suppose. (laughs) We we just uh, say, you know what? This works when we talk about it. So We'll figure out um, why later. That and and you know what? When you're discovering something that's real, that's how it works. This is why the Enneagram is not created, it's discovered. It's yeah. like, oh, well, let's dig here and see what's there. So yeah. that's where we're going. Love it. Anything else to say about nines in their secondary center as their body? So so that's um like I touched on that, but but that's if if you want to make a nine feel like their presence matters, you need to show them in ways that are intangible. Like you you need to express it in in ways that make them understand that their 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 work, their time, their energy is invaluable to the space that you're trying to keep them in, mm-hmm. and that that means things that aren't necessarily intuitive to you, but they will be to that person. One of the things that we're going to highlight, again, is just our own Christian tradition has a lot of examples of this. And so Mm -hmm. the nine that I want to highlight is Moses. One of the things that Moses does, both in people engaging Moses and Moses trying to create space for others, is nearly everything Moses does is very physical. So when God comes to Moses, it's take your shoes off, your your feet are on holy ground, and there's a burning bush, and God communicates audibly. This is a very physical image. And when Moses rescues, helps rescue the, the Hebrews from slavery, it's, again, very physical. We're going to have this meal on this night, and we're going to put blood over the door. And when they get out of slavery, it becomes very physical again. He sets up a tent and says, this is a, essentially where God lives, and we're going to create a table out in front. And on this table, we're going to put sacrifices. We're going to put bread. We're going to put things that you eat, you consume. And so you're actually having a tangible, physical meal in the presence 
of God. It's one, God's presence matters. He's created a, a physical space for it. But two, your presence in relationship to God matters as well. So take these elements when you are there. Anyway, that's the thing that really strikes me with Moses. It's just mm. all this very physical stuff. Yeah. We could talk the, about why. Go ahead. Yeah. The the way that um the way that God communicates to Moses that Moses matters is by giving him really important work to do. Mm, that's good, right? Yeah. We're going to just assume types here. Just just assume that we have lots of footnotes that we aren't going to have time to... We're not going to be able to do the deep dive on Bible characters yeah. here, but we'll just assume it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Anything else on nines? I like that as an image that works. Well, in uh, because this is a an episode about faith... I think one of the things that nines are looking for when they approach faith is trying to find spaces where their presence matters. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what all of this is about. The that heart's message is the thing that that each type is looking for in their in their faith space. So so nines are going to be attracted to the type of organizations that have inclusion, but also not a high demand of activity, (laughs) you know? Sure. Um, and, and, and really like thinking about my own journey, the reason that I come to a Christian tradition is because I have had mystical experiences with God Apart from those mystical experiences, all of it is just kind of, you know, it, it, I see the problems. I, I understand why people don't believe and I don't, I'm not interested in pushing this on other people. I come to this faith because I had a personal experience that made me feel like this is the direction I need to Mm. go. And yeah. that that kind of, of of personal experience is going to be very attractive to nines. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, I'll tell. I'll I'll give a story as well when I get to my type. But yeah, that's good. Hey, lo and behold, we're at my type. Hey, um, we're already there. <laughs> neat. So the fear for ones is being corrupted. I have so many questions I have for you on this. This has been a place of reflection for me. There is something about ones where we don't want something spoiled, something dirty, something foul inside of us. Mm-hmm. And that can be ideas. We don't have the right, we don't want to have the wrong ideas, but it can also be things like body fat. And so you'll right. see a lot of ones who struggle with thinking that they need to be a certain weight because fat is clearly a toxic, no good, very bad thing. Right. What ones consume and put into their body, what they put into their mind, what they put into their heart and soul, these are all very much on the mind of ones. And the fear is that if I allow that stuff to get in, then I will be corrupted. And that actually may feel like it's a real healthy move. Well, I'm just protecting myself, but this is actually how you turn to the dark side. Right. This works its way into the minds of ones as hypersensitivity. You want to talk about hypersensitivity with ones? Well, the... um I suppose you could imagine that someone who is very concerned about corruption 
and 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 not only protecting themselves from but also weeding out the corruption that exists will become hypersensitive will become hyper aware that that is so we we talk about ones having this inner critic lots of people have an inner critic ones in particular have this voice that is constantly going criticizing everything that they did and going over everything as a postmortem and saying this is how you could have done this better that like like turn that up to 11 with this with this fear in mind of needing protection against that corruption and the internal work of the the internal voice of the ones is very very concerned about any type of corruption or imperfection sneaking its way in that is what this hypersensitivity is and so it also turns into this this view of looking outward and seeing all the imperfect things out there and also being very sensitive to any type of criticism that could come in from the outside exactly right works from the mind into behavior and the sin that's traditionally associated with ones is wrath that is not wrath then out there. This is wrath at self. Right. Um, you're hypersensitive about all the things that you've done wrong. And so clearly that's going to manifest as some sort of rage or anger at yourself for screwing up, for not making the right, right choices, for saying the wrong words, for consuming the wrong things. And that's the sin. Yeah. Dehumanizing posture towards oneself. Right. And, and when ones become unhealthy enough and sort of stew in that that place of of constantly criticizing themselves then that criticism starts to seep outward but that's another podcast so <laughs> sure well we should yeah we'll get to that i that actually i put a pin on that as well because there's there's a yeah there is this twofold there's the wrath itself and then resentment that spills out um yeah. What ones need to hear, and they need to hear this in their heart, they need to hear that they are good. Ones, you are good. You are good as you are, and you are seen as good by the people in your life who love you, and that's why you need to hear that in your heart. This is a different thing than just knowing that you're good, and it's different than intuiting that you're good. There's a relational component that ones need to hear. They need to hear from somebody you're good. And that's why the secondary center here matters. The heart is the secondary center of the ones you got a thought on that. Well, and it's, it's not just, it's not just good. It's, it's this emotionally internalizing that you are created manifested as already being not evil. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and like it's it's not that the things that you do have been successful or the things that you do have been have followed the rules. It's not any of that. It's that you in and of yourself are a a good, competent, whole, morally upright human being. Mm-hmm. And you need to hear that from places that matter to you. Mm-hmm. So me 
TJ Wilson in Greeley, Colorado, saying it to someone whose name I don't know. You are good. Ones, you are good. It doesn't mean anything to you. Yep. But you need to find people who are in your life who can speak to this in ways that that actually impact that it, it has to come from somebody who knows you. Yeah. And somebody who's been in the trenches with you. That's why transitioning to faith, that is why it's so valuable for some of us to hear that from God. Mm. God knows everything about you. And when God pronounces you are good, it matters. Yeah. When I hear it from my wife, it matters. Yeah. Uh, when I hear it from my kids, it matters. When they, even in my biggest screw ups, when they reinforce the thing I know about you, Jeff, is that you're a good man. That is just what my, my soul, my, my deepest self craves. Yeah. This is what you see in, uh, so to move again to our tradition, Paul's, nearly everything that Paul writes ends up having this foundation of the first step is that God has pronounced you good. Um, He has done that through the work of Christ. The blood of Christ has cleansed you, and that cleansing is about goodness. It's about whole, it's you have been made whole through what Jesus has done on your behalf. And so the goodness is there theologically for Paul. And he just leans into that. It's just a reservoir for him. Mm-hmm. And much of what is said in Paul's letters ends up using that foundation, not only for himself to, to feel as though he has standing and can do monumental tasks, but he even goes a step further and says that this same cleansing, this, this same uh, rebuilding power uh, through Jesus' cross has been applied to everybody. And not just those who look like him, Jewish males. It's man, it's going out to females. It's going out to people of different uh, religious, ethnic backgrounds. This is just loose now that, that God is 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 making everything new. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got on Paul. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, same kind of story though for me. Coming to faith is a, is a real one ish kind of activity. Um, it began actually for me as a very emotional thing. But I'm a I'm a professional philosopher. You know, it 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 very quickly became a matter of questions. I want to have the right beliefs. I want to go to the absolute bedrock, depthiest places you can go. That is what philosophy is. Philosophy is the foundation of all knowledge. And so, when you get to the very bedrock, what does this say about the things that you're putting your trust and faith in? And I've you know I've said this in the past on this podcast have had long seasons of of moving away from the Jesus tradition and embracing other, you know, and, and embracing a different kind of outlook, came back around to the Jesus faith for reasons that were important to me. And, yeah, but that's how I come, that's how I come to the, the, to the problem, to the question. So, yeah. Well, and, and part of that is about finding value in who you are before you clean yourself up. And, and I, I think that, in healthy ways, ones are going to be drawn to the type of faith experience that values and and communicates that like humanity is good and and you are good because you are part of it. Mm-hmm. And in unhealthy ways, I think that ones will be strongly taken advantage of in spaces that say, "Here's all the work you need to do in order to earn your place." Yep. 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 A real healthy one like Gandhi, who's a Hindu, is going to have a very ecumenical view of humanity. 
uh, very much a, we're all God's children, and that's the foundation from which we can care for each other despite our differences and backgrounds and histories. You know, we can move into a place of forgiveness because we share a family. Right. Mm. You want to talk about twos? Let's do it. What's the fear for twos? Fear for twos is that they are not worthy of love. Yep. It's not just that they're not loved. It's that they're not worthy of love. That's a big move. Talk about that. Well, worth is going to be a big part of all three of the heart types. So twos, threes, and fours, this moves us into that heart triad. And because of the, the emotional center's sort of relationship nature uh their worth is going to the a big part of their personal worth is going to come from how other people view them and so for twos their fear is that they don't have any value that they that they aren't that the thing inside them does not deserve to be loved by other people and out of this, they they develop this sense of of needing to work to earn their place. Yep, pushes into. And I don't know that we've talked about fears and stance, but for both ones and twos, as we're talking, there's the stance of earning the thing is just all over our language. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's this is one of the great things about the enneagram is that it's all connected. That moves into their head as flattery. There is something about, here was, here was uh, just recalling what we said in our series on fear. Uh, there's something about flattery that comes from a root that's the flat of your hand that you want to be pet or perhaps you want to pet others to receive. And I think it can probably work both ways. Yeah. It's I both want to, I, I use flattery to get and I also long to be flattered because that is some sort of, uh, experience of the love that I crave. Right. And it, it's sort of like a, like a caricature of worth mm-hmm. and, and flattery becomes this, this tool that represents worthiness and value. And, and if I can earn your flattery, then I can convince myself that I'm earning your love. Yep. And I can use flattery to to communicate worth in the same way. Yep. Yeah. That manifests in behavior is pride. Um, we've talked a lot about this as well, but you want to give the skinny on pride in twos? Yeah. I mean, we, we think of pride as thinking of ourselves too much and for twos, like it, pride is, is a really tricky word to think about with twos because with twos, their giving is to get like they, Twos are self-sacrificial, but they do it in order to make sure that they will be taken care of. To avoid going down the rabbit trail, twos need to, like nines, feel in their body their heart's message. And what's their heart's message? It's, it's that they are wanted. Can't just know that. Right. It's, um, I remember hearing someone a long time ago say that Twos are the first to give up their seat at the table, but then they get upset when nobody gives up a seat for them. Mm-hmm. And like I, I think that's that's a great representation of both the the sort of 
caricature two-ishness, but also this is how you communicate to twos that that their presence is is valuable to to you and it's how you communicate that they are loved it's by taking care of them the way that they take care of you and and you can't just say it to them because they won't hear it they they need they need to be taken care of in the way that they express it yeah the two in the scriptures that that exemplifies this is John. John writes a book about Jesus, and he writes a couple of letters. But if you look up the word love in the Bible, like nearly half of the uses of love come in John's letters. Right. One of the real interesting things about John's description of Jesus is when he gets to the uh, last night, he doesn't have Jesus giving a last supper. Um, his whole book kind of shows Jesus giving bread and wine out. But the thing that Jesus does for his disciples before he goes to the cross is he washes their feet. And then he says, um, in the way that I've loved you, I want you to love each other. It's a very two-ish way to talk about love. Like, I'm going to wash your feet. It's these, you know, it's obviously, it's this grimy, disgusting, uh, sweaty feet. And this is an act of ultimate service. And this is the way that love looks. It's a very physical just like Moses as a nine, it's a very physical act mm-hmm. of communicating the heart's message. Yeah. You got thoughts on that? And, and, and self-sacrificial as well. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why, like, I, I love that in the book that is associated with John, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm-hmm. And like that, that I just, I just think that's really funny. But thinking about <laughs> faith and twos, like this is a place where like twos are looking for somewhere to serve. Twos are looking for something to give their their time and their energy to where they can help other people. Mm-hmm. And this also means that twos are most likely to be taken advantage of as being given all of the work that other people don't want to do. And so it's, it's, it's good for twos to know that they want to serve. And it's also really good for twos to know that you have worth outside of your service mm-hmm. so that you just, you don't just lose yourself to an organization. Yeah. Talking about faith here again, it's, it's showcased in these personalities, but John saying, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. I don't know that that's necessarily pride, like I'm so so great compared to everybody else. That's actually him embracing the heart's message for himself and putting it down. Right. I am wanted by the principal one that matters. And right. that creates grounding and stability. John doesn't earn Jesus coming and saying, I want you to follow me. John is called and pursued without any effort on his part. And right. again, there's that earning side for twos, ones and sixes, but that's how it's materializing in the, the heart and story of this man. Right. Brings us to the threes. Uh, the fear for threes is being worthless. You got uh, some thoughts on the fears of threes? Yeah, and it's it's different from twos. Like twos are fear that they aren't worthy of love. Threes fear that inherently they are unvaluable. That, that behind the mask that they have created to show the rest of the world, they, there's nothing there. 
that the thing that's back there is is vapor. This then moves into the mind of a three as vanity, as and I think it's what you're saying. There's a deceptiveness that comes into the mind because right. of the vapor, the fear of the right. vapor. Yeah. So it's 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 becoming obsessed with the image that is reflected in the mirror. Yeah. And and if if you're extremely concerned that the thing behind the mask is nothing, then you're going to be put all of your energy into making sure the mask is valuable, is is worthwhile, is is the prettiest mask that there is. Yep. Spills out into action is deceit. Right. And those are just a circle. Fixation and the sin are always a circle. The things in my mind become my behavior, become the thing in my mind, become my behavior. Right. Save you from the dark side. Uh, The message that threes need to hear is you are loved for simply being you. You want to talk about that? And that's that's just putting form to the vapor. That's that's saying that behind that mask there is a face, and that face is valuable. Mm-hmm. It's it's as simple as that, and it is incredibly difficult to internalize. Part of this is why the secondary center is so important. The secondary center for threes is going to again be their heart, and it's going to be relational in nature. This message is going to be very difficult for threes to hear mm-hmm. and believe cognitively. But if people who care about them are saying this to them boldly, that's got that's got real weight. Right. Well, and there's there's a big sort of theory about Enneagram work that 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 people don't really come into the Enneagram truly until they've had a significant crisis mm-hmm. that that draws them into it and and for threes in particular failure is the thing that they're trying to protect against they're trying to make sure that that mask looks as successful as possible and that nobody ever sees their failures and this manifests in all kinds of different ways in their lives but when threes have people have relationships have have something that they value that sticks with them through their failures, that's the place where they start to hear that message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when someone can actually see behind the mask because the mask has failed the three somehow and says, I still love you, that's, that's where it seeps into the three's heart. Moves great into the story that I wanted to pitch. The three that we have um, from the biblical tradition is Jacob. Jacob's one of the early figures in the Bible in Genesis. And Jacob aggressively moves to steal his brother's birthright, essentially Mm. to take all of his brother's inheritance. He does this by pretending that he's his brother. It's deception. It's theft. I'm better than him. Takes, Takes that standing and then he flees, and he's away for, for a long time. I, I want to say it's in the, the 15 to 20-year range. When Jacob returns, there's, a, again, the threes need to hear their heart's message relationally just prior to re-meeting his brother, and his brother has become very powerful and is painted kind of as a potentially violent person. 
just before meeting his brother, Jacob has a experience of God in which God says, what is your name? He's like wrestling with God and, and God says, what is your name? And Jacob says, my name is Jacob. And he owns his identity. It's mm-hmm. not a deception anymore. It's a, there's right. something really important there for Jacob owning who he is. And then the next day he goes to meet his brother. And his brother has come out with all of his, you know, servants, but it's almost like he's got like an entourage. <laughs> right. And, right. And Jacob's going to get crushed. Right. And Esau comes out, who's his brother, and he embraces him and gives him standing. And Jacob says over Esau, seeing you is like seeing the face of God. And again, it's not knowing that he's loved simply for being himself. And it, it, it's not really a body thing. It's very much this relational there had to be this relationship. Esau is engaging Jacob without Jacob earning anything. It's just an entirely grace from Esau. Right. You are loved because you are my brother. You are loved for being you. Right. I think that's a, a really worthwhile picture of that. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it it couldn't have come from Jacob never going back. Correct. Because because it it has to come through in the case of the threes, it has to come through people who have seen the failures. And that's good. That's exactly right. That's a, that's a really good point. If he had just stayed many miles away. Yeah. He no never growth. would have heard that message. Yep. Oh, that's great. But he could have been wildly successful on his own but he never would have heard that heart's message. Yes, that's exactly it. And this this is one of the things about threes in faith is that you can be very successful in places where you are not living in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't have to list examples from (laughs) major religions of Mm -hmm. people who have been wildly successful while secretly being garbage. Yep. To to point that out. Yeah. For those of faith who are threes, then the step is finding that message spoken over you by people that care, by by the God who loves you and by right. the people in your life. Right. You need to gain that message somehow from the thing you have faith in, yeah. And 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 lean into the idea that relationships are more important than success. Mm. And that could be your relationship to yourself. Yes. That could be a relationship to God. That could be a relationship to your, the brother whose inheritance you stole. No, relationships are more important than your success. Isn't, I haven't put that together. Isn't that the temptation for the three is that you actually think the success is more valuable and communicate your standing more than these people who love you, who know you communicating your standing. Cause it's all about the mask. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the move is really intentionally putting, giving weight to the words of those in your life, giving yeah. weight to the words of God speaking over you. Yep. A message of identity. Yep. It's <sighs> a good one. Let's get to fours. The fear for fours is being personally insignificant. And this moves into their head as despair. Um, do you have thoughts on fours? Yeah. Again, we're still talking about worth and and particularly the um, 
sort of the the perspective of others and fours view themselves as less than others around mm-hmm. them like I, I i like to think about fours as like constantly thinking but why not me like looking at success in other people's lives and thinking why not me mm-hmm. they have this why not me and and it's because they think that inherently they aren't significant enough to deserve those things mm-hmm. to to embody the kind of beauty that they're looking at to to have successful functional non-toxic relationships with other people mm. uh, they 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 don't have worth and so they create worth by being different from everyone else mm-hmm. but when you live with this sense of worthlessness that there's there's just no way around having a sense of despair Mm. when you think that you don't deserve the kind of life that everyone else has then obviously you are going to be at least secretly sad about it all the time yeah and that's that manifestation of envy for fours right and that becomes cyclical the despair encourages the envy which encourages more despair which encourages more envy right and it's just it's this sort of quiet sadness that you may not give voice to all of the time but it is always there the message then for four is that they need to know and fours are going to be the first on our list that are going to be those who have their minds as their secondary center They need to know this truth. And the truth that fours need to know is that you are seen and loved as you are. You want to talk about that as a mental message? Yeah, I I think that fours are very good at spending their time in their emotions. Everything is processed through that feeling center. And so they know what they feel about things before they know what they think about things. And this is one of the places where you can just say the words and then just sort of sit in it. So so fours are going to be very good at expressing, communicating, confessing their sense of sadness, their sense of, of worthlessness in a lot of different areas. And the thing that they're looking for is for people to say, that's not true. Mm-mm. And it still has to be people that, that matter because I mean, because relationships are important, but, but really it like, that is one of the places where you can just say it and then stay there with mm-hmm. them and, and give them time to really think through like, that's, that's, that's the real trick of all of this is that Fords need to spend the time thinking about that reality which means that you have to stick around for it. The source of the message? Yeah. And this is why faith matters so much here, is that God is always, God's omnipresent. Right. God's going to be sticking around for it no matter what. Right, right. <laughs> Speaking the same message over you every single time. Right. You're seen and loved as you are. Yep. And this is a place where, like, like fours are, aren't going to necessarily be drawn to the really popular or really common kinds of places where people are. 
mm-hmm. because they they have an inherent drive to be a little bit different and and they're going to fall to the margins of those places and as they lose connection with the life of the organization they're going to see that as confirmation for their worthlessness mm-hmm. And so they're probably going to be a little bit more drawn to smaller groups, um, more individualized, like like anywhere that, that paints everyone with a broad brush isn't going to work for a four. Mm-hmm. But the places that value individuality and let fours just be themselves and say, please bring this fullness to us. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the thing that fours are looking for. Yeah. Moves into the biblical uh, image of the four I have is John the Seer. This is the writer of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. John the Seer is a very unique person. He's brought in to take down a image of how God sees everything. Mm-hmm. And it's as though he alone is told this is how things actually are. And what God displays, what Christ displays to John is kaleidoscopic beauty. There are just high points, lots of colors, lots of fantastic, you know, angelic choir singing, but there's also very dark imagery of how things are. Um, Lots of beauty in pain and violence suffered by those who are are good, especially of Christ himself. And and yet those images of violence are painted as victories and in this this very beautiful spin. And one of the things that makes me think that John's a four is the one of the images that is displayed is that there's a book in which God is writing down the unique name of each individual person. And it's a name that only God knows. It's like you have a name that is unique to yourself. God has this name for you and has written it down and this is yours. And that just seems like a very four-ish kind of way of understanding and engaging God. God knows exactly who you are, sees you as you are, and loves you as you are, and has a future for you as you are that, that you know, blows open into eternity. Yeah. And notice that the art that John created is wildly misunderstood by the masses. Ooh, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wildly misunderstood. Are you saying that Russia isn't the Antichrist? Because if you are, TJ, we're just stopping this podcast right now because I know what's going on here. Do you? Because <laughs> all of Revelation is metaphor. <laughs> all of it. It's uh, The best description of Revelation I heard was from uh, Greg Boyd. He said, it's like political cartoons. You have to read it like political cartoons because yeah. it's subversive writing. Anyway, yep, that's for another podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> Brings us to the fives, of course. <laughs> Fear for the five is being incompetent. Is this just mental? No. Or is it being lacking Lacking resources is the fear, like yeah. both mental and physical resources? It's, it's being unprepared. Incompetent is so, so not learned or practiced enough, not having enough information, not having enough money or space or time or physical resources in order to accomplish or or keep yourself safe. It's I, it's 
being prepared, looking, wanting to be prepared for all possibilities and feeling like you're not. Yeah. That's going to move into the head as the fixation of stinginess. Right. Because you want to be so prepared, you're going to be a hoarder. Yep. Absolutely. You got to protect your resources because they're precious. Yep. And of course, that'll manifest physically as greed. Right. Greed isn't about having um, a lot of money that you spend on Lamborghinis and castles. Greed is about hoarding wealth. Right. Or hoarding your emotions or hoarding everything, yeah. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge is, I think, the best representation of what this kind of greed is. Because he does not spend money on his own comfort. Yeah. And he has lots to spare. As such, the move out of moving down that dark path, just like ones and threes, fives need to relationally experience others communicating to them that their needs are not a problem. Which is tricky for fives because they have a harder time being expressive and and creating those kinds of deep relationships. So a, a lot of like extroverted types, a lot of twos and threes, even some nines, sevens, definitely. Like a lot of people will have a lot of people in their life. And a lot of those people will even have a lot of really close people people in their lives Mm -hmm. fives actually because of that that greed that stinginess and because it is pervasive not just about money fives have a really hard time sharing themselves with other people Mm -hmm. and so they don't have a lot of really close relationships typically and so this is a place where it's actually there's an extra hurdle to this the simple act of communicating that heart's message Mm. That's a good word. My my wife had a experience just this last week. There's a five that comes to a group that um, she's part of, and the five was having family drama problems, and it was one of those times where my wife knew what the heart's message was for fives. It didn't necessarily apply to the situation at hand, but she boldly said the heart's message over her five friend in this moment where the five friend was really struggling in it and it hit her, cracked her, and that was the thing that mm-hmm. really moved her forward that she needed to hear from somebody else. Yeah. And I I couldn't even describe to you why that was the case. But sure. hearing it from another person in a context where, you know, it's a it's a it's a fairly large group. It's eight, eight, ten people. And hearing that in that space was the thing that she needed. Yeah. And that's that idea that that your needs are not a problem. Like this is this is something that that fives are going to like they they need to hear it relationally but in particular they need to hear it in ways that like they don't need you to solve their problems for them right they need to know that they it's okay for them to have problems yeah and that's like that that is part of the the that's t- tied into the the disconnection from other people because they don't share they particularly don't share their problems right so when 
if you know fives, when they do open up about struggles that they're having, that's a really big deal. And you have to be there for that mm-hmm. or else you are going to reinforce that their needs are a problem. Yeah. There's another component to that, that this is where the relationship comes in. If, if fives can open their hands up and not grip down on everything that they're you know holding so tightly, if they mm-hmm. know that, if all the things are taking out of my hands, this person or these people or this, this God will provide for me in those moments where I lack everything. Right. That actually is freedom. Right. For the fives in our lives. Right. This is, uh, the biblical figure that we have as a five is Luke who writes, um, a biography of Jesus and also writes a book called acts, which is a history book all throughout Luke's story. Very observational, very detailed-oriented, very this is where Jesus went and who he met and this is how the conversation went. It's nearly all about provision. It's nearly right. all about God providing for people who don't have anything. Um, right. Luke, in particular, that book is about Jesus coming to poor people and meeting them where they're at in their, in their needs. The other thing, as you were talking about it, the other thing that um, what Jesus often is giving is the Holy Spirit. The The Holy Spirit is a big idea in Luke and Acts, and it's a very relational gift. Mm-hmm. Like this is the this is the presence of God in you that will provide for all the needs that you have. Right. Well, and that's the relational need there is going to be, is the thing about fives coming to any kind of faith. Mm-hmm. Because fives are going to be for the most part, they're going to be drawn, driven by information. And most of the fives that I know are at most agnostic. A lot of them are atheists Mm -hmm. because there's no data behind some type of inorganic immaterial God. There's, there's no information there. And the, the, the people that are that do find themselves drawn to some sense of a higher power are going to be drawn there by need and by relationships. Yep. I suppose on that same front, we could list somebody like a Thomas. I don't know if Thomas is a five. There's not a lot there with Thomas, but there is an, right. a moment with one of Jesus' followers where the doubt is rightly placed. Right. Dead people don't come back to life. That that right. is how things work. Right. That's why it's <laughs> that's why it's a miracle and why the miracle is important. Um, but notice how relational it is. Thomas says something to the extent of, "Unless I put my finger in his nail wounds, I'm not believing anything." Right. And Jesus says, "Come and touch me in these in these places when they finally have an encounter." It's it's not. I'm going to show this to you. This is observational. It's I want you to come feel these injuries, and that that's much more personal, right? And and yeah, the importance of that story is that Thomas says, "I can't believe this because it's ridiculous," and Jesus says, "Your needs are not a problem. I you you need proof. Here it is." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moves us to this. Well, actually, real quick on fives then. Fives in faith. There's a there's sometimes faith that can be translated as trust, or that's part of the nature of faith is trust. And that right. in particular for fives in this space, 
learning how to trust the people in your life, learning how to trust God to even open up those spaces. You are fully competent to take care of yourself really well. We all know yeah. who you are, Five. Yeah. It is your cho- choice to, to open yourselves up to trusting others with those spaces. That actually is where the relationship comes in, yeah? Right. And yeah, it's it's trust in... I mean, if, if your higher power is your own humanity, then it's also trust in your own humanity. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so many fives are prevented from moving in their lives because they're they're worried about not having enough information and at some point you have to just try the thing that you've been studying at some point you have to trust that you either do know enough or once you get out there it's really not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be boom yeah brings us to the sixes sixes um Fear is being without support. Uh, I want to sit on that for a second because I think that's yeah. super interesting because often sixes are just the skinny on sixes can often be, well, they're the fearful ones. Right. But that's not necessarily what's going on. It's something more specific. And right. the fear of being without support gives a lot more color to, to what's going on there. You want to talk about that? Right. So um, we talked about how twos, threes, and fours were all sort of the same idea of their own worth and, and their worth through other people's eyes, five, sixes and sevens. It, it has a lot to do with their, their fear is sort of based in this place of not having enough, not being able to be taken, not being taken care of, not like that. That's what fear is. It's, it's, it's concerned that your future is unsafe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and for sixes, like while while fives are are concerned that their needs are too much for other people, that their their needs are an issue, to, sixes are concerned that that they are not capable of navigating life in and of themselves, and that the support that they would need if they are not capable is not going to be there for them. Right. Yeah, that was an important footnote. By the way, just as just to to name it real quick, that the fears for twos, threes, fours, all relational, five, six, seven, it's all security based. And right. the fears for eights, nines, and ones are gonna be about control, about them being able to control their inner life, their outer life, or both. Right. That fear for sixes of being fearing being without support then moves into the head as the fixation of either cowardice or recklessness. And we've talked extensively about why that's the case because counterphobic sixes can experience their inner life and their behavior in a very different way. Right. Um, but you want to talk about those two sides of the same coin? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you're constantly concerned that, that you don't have what it takes, then you probably aren't going to, to try Mm-hmm. You're going to be stuck in this place of, of, of worrying about not being enough. Or you're going to fling out and say, I'll show you how afraid I am mm-hmm. and, and, and engage in, in recklessness it's, and, and make decisions without, without planning, without being ready. With, 
making bad, dangerous decisions. Comes from uh, the and, same foundation, though, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all from that place of, of not trusting yourself first and then not trusting because you don't trust yourself, then everything else in the world is untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so either you get stuck or you run without looking. Moves into behavior then is doubt. Um, it's really the, that, that manifestation. And again, it becomes a cycle. Right. To save you from the dark side, the, the traditionalist says that sixes need to know that they're safe. They need to know this in their mind. Like fours and eights, the secondary center for sixes is their minds. Knowing that they are safe, how's that, how's that come into the life of a six? Well, it's, it's tricky with sixes because they often get sort of stuck in that, that fear and doubt uh, cycle. Mm-hmm. They, sixes take in the world through that, that head center. They process information. They're looking at all the data and, and, and observation, like all of that stuff that's true of head types. But then that doubt sort of takes the reins and says that everything is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the sixes actually have to do a concerted amount of effort to spend time thinking about what's real. Mm. And, and this comes from, so it's, it's really easy for us, especially in the Enneagram community to sort of treat sixes a little bit like punching bags because, because of that fear place is, is sort of, it's it's easy to paint this as comical, but for sixes, that that doubt is a driving force, and they need people who are going to be okay with them in it, mm. and and to spend time. So um, my my partner is a six, and I actually like we talk about following the the rabbit trail. So if this is a thing that you fear, let's follow that trail all the way to the end of it mm. and see what's real. Because in all likelihood, that trail that you're following is based on something that's not real. So sixes and, and the people who are in relationship with sixes, that heart's message of, of that safety, that security that they're looking for needs to come from the same place that is already keeping them stuck that is already feeding that doubt. You, you have to mentally process the reality over against the fear mm. that is taking its place. Going to be extra hard for sixes because that's their repressed center as well, that they're thinking repressed, but they need to know this truth. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that is that, that cycle of, of, taking in information, but, but being stuck in the doubt mm-hmm. that, that is that repressed, that is how their repressed center manifests itself Yeah, is by keeping them stuck in it's unproductive thinking is what we call it. Right. And so, so you have to introduce productive thinking. How does faith in the message that those that care about you, faith in what God is speaking over you, how does that then uh, work in terms of 
when God says you are safe over a six, what takes place? Well, at first, nothing because they don't trust it. <laughs> but really, it's the the way that that message seeps in and becomes something that that sort of drives them is by intentional decision. In the same way that that fours have to do the work to sit with the the what other people are telling them about their worth, mm. sixes have to do the work to actually stop the unproductive nature of their thinking and spend some time in the reality that's being communicated to them. I love that as an image. You have to do the work of sitting with, because that's going to work for eights as well. The the heart's message for eights is, I will not betray you, and they need to sit and rest and and do the work to internalize that as well. So sixes and ones often mistype because sixes and ones are both trying to follow the rules. Ones are doing it to be good. Sixes are doing it to be safe. And this is one of the ways that that sixes get things done while also unproductive thinking mm-hmm. is that they outsource their thinking to some type of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And if they just keep doing, following the rules, if they just keep going, then they're never really spending the mental energy to actually process the information that they are safe. Mm. Biblical figure that we have is Peter. Uh, a lot of Peter's struggles revolve around fear, and a lot of the places that Jesus takes Peter engage Peter's fears. There's a famous story of Jesus walking on water and inviting Peter out onto the water, and that is pushing into Peter's capacity. You can do this. Do not doubt yourself. Yeah. And allowing Peter to have that experience, hearing this is some the the God I trust is in front of me, and hearing the message, and then stepping out on the water is a huge act of faith and and humanity. Right. Um, the recklessness of Peter comes out in his worst moments. Uh, when Jesus is arrested, Peter pulls out a sword. He's, they've apparently just brought a single sword for this revolution, but Peter's got it and runs runs at this whole camp of Roman guards, misses them all, hits a servant you know, of, of one of the religious leaders' ears off. And there's a good image of recklessness. But one of the interesting things about Peter is Peter eventually helps compose the first biography of Jesus, which is Mark. Um, He's the storyteller behind Mark's story. And over and over again in Mark's story, all you hear is fear not, fear not, fear not. Right. um, Kind of messages. Right. And really targeting the self-doubt side. Right. Well, and, and even like Peter famously denies that he knew Jesus Mm -hmm. publicly. Like Mm -hmm. he's, and that's that's a huge source of sh- shame for Peter because he failed mm-hmm. because he doesn't have what it takes to stand by Jesus' side in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus comes to him and says, you're the one that who's going to lead my church going forward. Mm-hmm. And Peter was basically the first pope. And I, I, I think this is a good representation of like what sixes are capable of yeah there it is in faith spaces mm-hmm. 
and also the dangers that they need to watch out for. Yep. It's because in that in that space of of doubting yourself and outsourcing your thinking capacity to some hierarchy, you can easily give over your agency to people who are going to take advantage of it. Mm. Because if someone else tells you the rules, you're going to follow them. That's great. But it also means that you're not you're not trusting yourself at all. Yeah. And when you do trust yourself, when you do internalize that that idea that this is this is a place where you are safe, where it's okay to to mess up, where it's okay to fail and and it's okay to to not get everything right. When when you live in that space, you might start a 2,000-year-old church. Yeah. In, in fact, on that exact front, one of the more famous stories of Peter is he has a dream about eating food that is, it's not kosher food. It's food that uh, his tradition, his Jewish tradition is not allowed to eat. Um, and yet he hears a voice saying, you know, he has this dream of God saying, take and eat these things. And it's, a, it's an image of exactly that. It's, it's you're breaking rules. You're breaking these rules of, of your forebears, of, of the, the long history of your, your people. And yet it's so important because what the dream is actually about is about inclusion. It's about including people who have, who have been excluded from the tradition for millennia. You right. know, as it were, by these rules, yeah, by the rules, yeah, and and overcoming that, having the self confidence to say, "I'm going to move," that that is a turning point in history. It's it's not right. a stretch to say this is absolutely central to uh, world history, going one way and not another. Right. Bang brings us to sevens. Sevens fear being deprived, and this works into their head as scheming. Uh, you got thoughts on, on sevens on this front? Yeah, I think that uh, this one seems sort of straightforward because sevens are, are so often looking for more Mm. and, and it's this, it's this drive for, um, but why only have one scoop of ice cream when you can have two, like it looking for more opportunity, more like, like they use FOMO fear of missing out as a, as a way to describe sevens. I don't think that's accurate. I, I, I don't like using FOMO, but it communicates this idea that sevens are always looking for the next thing. And a big part of that is because of that fear of depravity, of, of not having enough. It, it's very similar to fives and sixes, in, in this, particularly fives in the sense that like they are worried about not having enough to get through. But theirs is about not is sort of more about running out. Mm. So so fives work so hard to to sort of keep and protect their resources, and sevens just make sure that the world is open to them. Mm-hmm. It's about not getting stuck in a single place or a single experience. Why have two scoops of ice? Why only have one scoop of ice cream when you can have two? Because two is the next thing. And with one, you're going to run out of one. Mm-hmm. And it, it is about that concern that, that they are not going to have enough. Yeah. 
I wonder if there's one of the missteps here. This is go, jumping ahead, but that a misstep for seven is having faith in your ability to outrun all the problems. Or oh yeah, absolutely you know what I mean? yeah. Sometimes we can have faith in the wrong things. It seems to me that it materializes in what you just said, and that right. would be, you know, eventually sevens. I'm sure sevens who are more mature and perhaps older have had that experience of I was going, 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 and then I couldn't. I just couldn't outrun the thing. Right. And, and I think that, that the sevens who have the most significant mental crises, that is the only way that they experience that. Yeah. And they either break or they come to terms with not being able to outrun their lives. Right. And this is, I mean, that is what scheming is, right? Is is looking for the next thing. It's making sure that you always have your foot out the door. Is is it's like that's that's what scheming is. Is making sure there is a plan for the next thing. Yeah, leads uh, to the materialization in action of gluttony. That gluttony right. is the sin of sevens. Right. Thoughts on always that? wanting to have more, and it's. And it's not necessarily about consumption. It's about opportunity. Right. Yeah. All the things. Right. Save you from the dark side. If uh, the message is spoken over the seven, that you will be taken care of. Hearing that from those who love you, hearing that from the God who knows you, this is a saving message. Uh, why is that for sevens? Well, it's because... And building from that that fear of depravity, if you are able to develop and understand a sense that when you do run out, there will be more. Like that's that's like sevens want more of the good things, but they also are worried that they won't have enough to deal with the bad things. Mm-hmm. And when you know that there are going to be resources there to deal with the bad things, that you will get through it, that you will face it and come out the other side, that that you can get through and be taken care of. This this is the place where that depravity starts to lose its teeth. Right. Like if if you're always worried about making next month's rent but then one day you find out that your landlord will take care of whatever's missing then you're never going to worry about making next month's rent again mm-hmm. and like i i don't know of any single example of that being in real life of a landlord paying some, <laughs> their tenant's rent but that idea of something people in your life something bigger than yourself always being there at the bottom whenever you do run out, Mm -hmm. that is the antidote to depravity. Yeah. I I talked to two sevens, both of them do church work, and their answer to where they encounter God is here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I imagine that's the case for all the heart's messages, for all the types. I bet you it's the case that when you really have that experience that is more mystical in nature and actually orienting and foundational. It's probably something that has to do with this, but that was for sure for them. They were like, 
you know, you can never outrun the thing. And right. eventually you won't have enough in finding that you're taking care of in that space. That's right. the, the thing that they highlighted. Right. And, and this puts us again in the uh, secondary center of the body. Yes, thank you. So just like twos and nines, this is something that sevens have to experience. They can't be told that when they, they cannot be told that when they run out, someone will be there for them. Yep. It, it doesn't have any kind of impact for them to, like it, it doesn't mean anything for them for the heart, partly because they don't have a foot in the heart space anyway. That's another podcast. They have to experience this through their actual experience. Yep. And oftentimes that means just like threes have to come to this through failure, sevens have to come through it to it through a really dark space. If I had another seven on my list, I'd name them. I just don't. There's not a lot of biblical seven. I don't think you've worked very hard <laughs> to find another seven. And Solomon, you just want to beat this drum. Just isn't as interesting as as I want to be. <laughs> not a healthy person. Arms dealer Solomon is just not the person we want to highlight as a man of faith for my money. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in good news, I think Jesus is a seven, and uh, TJ believes that Jesus showcases the best of all the types. So right. for our purposes right now, this is going to work. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll entertain this for, for the sake of the argument. Jesus has, in my mind, a lot of that fear of depravity actually being put down. You see that in the temptations. The very first thing that Jesus does is begins fasting for 40 days, and that there, there's a deprivation image. Jesus' most famous teaching is the Sermon on the Mount, the whole of uh, the center point of it, Matthew 6, is about God providing. Uh, consider the flowers and how God dresses them. Consider the birds and how God you know, feeds them. God knows the number of hairs on your head. The thing that hit me as you were talking was the, the image of being taken care of is there in Jesus' last moments. Jesus says to God in his prayer, take this cup from me. And that's an entrusting of his whole self. Like this, this bit of suffering is here. I need you to take this from me. I need to be taken care of. Yeah. And the move, the next move, which you'll know is, but not as I will, but as you will. And of course, sevens are, have that pain avoiding side to them. And it seems like Jesus is uber healthy in embracing the pain embracing these moments of depravity in really confronting what would be the fears of the type seven. And you see a healthy person there. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for letting me bang my drum. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. Bible character throw down. Um, <laughs> well, anything else to say about the f f sevens exercising faith? I think it's going to be really easy for sevens to approach faith with as much quote unquote devotion as they offer to most other things in their life, mm -hmm. which often isn't much. And until mm. they have that real experience, it's easy for them to 
have a foot in the door. Yeah. That's good. Brings us to eights. Eights fear being controlled or being vulnerable. This can move into their mind as a posture of mental vengeance. Um, you want to talk about the fears and fixations of eights? Well, yeah, eight, eights project this sense of strength. Like you can always tell when an eight walks in the room because they have big energy. They know how to read a room and they're looking for who's in charge. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they are concerned about protecting other people because they're always secretly protecting their own inner child. They're the most vulnerable part of them. And, and the, the fear is that someone will, something outside of their control will take advantage and abuse the most vulnerable parts of them. So they pretend like that vulnerability doesn't exist. They project that strength outwards. They make sure that no one ever has control over them in order to ensure that they can't be hurt that way. As vengeance, then, I'm fixated on ensuring that anything that may hurt me in the future, but certainly those that have hurt me in the past, are shown that this will never happen again. Absolutely. It's, it's, vengeance is very straightforward in the eight because, and exactly that, it, if you are going to hurt an eight, you are going to get your lunch handed to you. Yep. Unless that eight is healthy and lets it go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting when we talk about our biblical characters, actually. But the um, that vengeance moves into uh, behavior as lust. And, of mm-hmm. course, we need to unpack that. Right. We aren't necessarily talking about sexual lust. Sexual lust is a part of a, a lot of eight-ish behavior, but but it's really this a, a carnal drive for experiences. It's like we talk about sevens wanting to have two scoops of ice cream instead of one eights want to have the most ice creamist experience there is to have. Um, lust is about fullness of, of experience in that way. And, and vengeance is like it, vengeance is the lustful word for revenge. Uh, so, so the way they sort of like become a circle is that when vengeance becomes the, the behavior, the fixation of, of eights, then it feeds the desire for those kinds of carnal experiences, which only make vengeance more worthwhile. And it just becomes a circle again. Save you from the dark side. Uh, eights need to work on sitting with. I liked that phrase. <laughs> the me- the heart's message, which is, I will not betray you. And they need to hear this from the people in their lives, but they especially need to hear this from the God that loves them. Right. That just awakens healthy eights. If it's yeah. known that the omnipotent God won't betray them, then they cannot possibly ever be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, really healthy eights who have worked this message into their lives, 
let their vulnerability out because their vulnerability is not a, like that, that inner child is not something that can destroy them. Mm. There's a specific word that I'm trying to think of that I can't think of, but, but like this is, this is a big part of the concern for eights that, that, that vulnerability and weakness is, is going to be destructive. And Mm. when you know that the universe, the, the being that is in charge or humanity or whatever, when, when you know, when you have faith in something that says you will not be betrayed and when you really work that in, then allowing yourself to be quote unquote harmed, allowing that inner child to be harmed isn't destructive. It's, 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 it's a thing that people experience Mm. and you don't have to spend all of your energy protecting against that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word on that. Yeah. My biblical character for this is Mary. Mary, I think is a fantastic example of an eight. Uh, Mary sings a song called the Magnificat. And as you were talking, I just started laughing because it was just everything said was about Mary's song. It is a huge, robust, girthy projection of strength outwards. It is very much a message to the powers, you will not control me. Um, And the reason that she will not be controlled is because God is her advocate and ally and is raising up all of the poor. It's a very justice-oriented song. God is on the side of the marginalized and abused. Yeah. And like you can't you can't be you can't be controlled when you give yourself up to something else. Yeah. Like Ooh. that's 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 part of this this vulnerability thing is that like when you wear your heart on your sleeve on purpose, then the betrayal of your innermost self isn't harmful because you you put it out there. Mm-hmm. When when Mary makes the decision to allow herself to be this vessel that she has no control over, then she can't be controlled anymore by by putting her vulnerability out there on purpose, then no one else is taking advantage of it without her permission. Mm-hmm. She's given them permission to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic paradox there because it looks as though she's, how would you say this? I mean, as you are, she is surrendering all of herself to this other power. The, right. When the angel comes to, to Mary, this is the paradoxical side. The angel comes to Mary and says, you will be with child. And she says, let it be according to right. your word. Right. The word- she did not choose that pregnancy. And if you don't know this already, pregnancy takes over your whole life. <laughs> the paradoxical side on this front is let it be is a fantastic word in the Bible. It's the very first thing that God says in the scriptures. It's let there be light. And so on one side, she is vulnerable and apparently weak, but in this one moment, she's actually the strongest person in the universe. She is creating, you know, she is giving birth to 
you know, the, the incarnate God. And eh, it's just a, I'm saying that kind of in a, mic, a messy way, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing to allow yourself to become pregnant. And by doing so, she did one of the strongest possible things that any human could do. Yeah. In this act, she's helping to renew the entire cosmos, right. according to the story. Right. It's a great paradox there. Anyway, is that a paradox? What would you call that? It's a juxtaposition. It's a both weak and strong at the same time. What's well, it, my brother? We have gone around the circle. We did it. This one didn't take a year. That's true. <laughs> Thank goodness. Any last words on faith in the Enneagram? As with all things having to do with the Enneagram, there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways to approach the idea of faith. And, and from your type, each, each of our types is going to have really healthy ways that we engage something outside of ourselves. And we're going to have really unhealthy ways that we look for meaning or purpose or we, we're looking for a heart's message where it's not necessarily being offered. Yeah. And, and I think that faith can be, is, and can be a road to health. But having a healthy relationship to our faith is more important than just giving ourselves over to it. In particular, because religion is a tool that can be abused by unhealthy people. Mm-hmm. You got to find your source from healthy places. Right. Faith is drawing in that water. Yeah, seems it's a virtue. It's one of the it's one of the theological virtues, and it's it's not because you're believing something you know ain't so. It's because faith is what it looks like when you actually draw from meaningful, good reservoirs around you. Right. Good word. Well, hey, I'm gonna mix up our intro again. Uh, uh. We're we're closing in. We're close to 150 positive five-star reviews on the iTunes. So if you have not yet given us five stars, you should do that just for two seconds to mean the world to us. I will celebrate for at least 20 minutes based on just your review. Um, but if, if this podcast has done your heart good and you want to see it continue into the future, you should check out our stuff on Patreon. In the next few months, we're going to be releasing a bunch of stuff on Patreon, and it actually might already be there by the time you listen to this recording um you can find all the links to all of our stuff including our patreon page at aroundthecircle.org which has links to our twitter and instagram which is where we communicate Uh, which is also where you can send us your ideas for topics we would love your topics music is by the collection at greensboro north carolina and tim coons from right here in greeley colorado and of course the best thing you can do is share this with somebody you love preferably who uh wants to do a deep dive into faith this week so that's what I got. TJ, you got anything else? I got nothing. TJ Wilson is officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook, and who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. You're going to set the world on fire.